Welcome to Bigger Than the Game with Deremy and Jose. I'm Deremy Dove, and today I'm joined by a special guest. I'm excited because we did a home and home. I was on his podcast talking about Super Bowl One and the evolution of football becoming America's game, and I had a great time being on with him. So honored that he's decided to come on our show. So I have a special guest, Mr. Eric Paul, host of the podcast Everything is a Primary Source. So Eric, thanks for joining me, man. Jeremy, thanks for setting this up, and I'm really glad that our two podcasts have become, we were just talking before the, the break about Cobra Kai, uh, before the recording, how we've become like our two dojos are now one, you know, exactly. together so well, good alliances. Exactly, um, exactly. Like you said, and on my show, when we did the Super Bowl, you know, kind of the, the purpose of both of our shows are, they parallel each other, so it's a, it's a great match, um, you know, where we're merging the pop culture stuff together today and i'm looking forward to it yeah well before we get into our topic tell people about your show and how you came up with the idea for your podcast yeah so i i'm a teacher i'm a social studies teacher um by trade and i harp on my students in my class all the time not to overlook uh anything as a potential document of history you know we have the traditional Mm -hmm. ones you have your you know, letters and and newspapers and photographs. Those are the common, you know, traditional primary source documents. But I consider things like movies and TV shows and sports competitions and even people's entire lives and careers. Those can be analyzed the same way as, you know, kind of reflections of the time and place that they came from. So the whole show basically takes what I do in my classroom um, with the primary source analysis and applies it to things like, you know, TV shows and uh, fashion and food and, and everything that we consider pop culture. 
And so I've had a lot of fun doing it and, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to doing it and just that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Same, same. I totally get that, man. <laughs> and, and I really enjoy your podcast and uh, definitely want to plug it and want people to go and listen because you have some interesting topics on there. Thank and... you. Yeah, it's so much fun. And I, I, the one that we, you and I did about Super Bowl one really stands out to me because it was just like, I couldn't have gone to a better person with more knowledge about that. Oh. You know, it really built the episode uh, so perfectly. And so I'm really glad that we got to do that. No, I appreciate that. I honestly do. And that was so much fun. And, it, and it's the fun of like a great conversation where it kind of was like a free flowing and, you know, it's like, you know, about Super Bowl one, but the where the episode went and how it went to it's one. I'll be honest. I shared it with people who aren't football fans. And that's what I love when, you know, you have that podcast topic and that episode, mm-hmm. like that episode clicks where it's like, you know, it'll click with people who are into this. But the convo so good. People who aren't into it will join in and like it. And I yeah. a lot of people who don't like football, but loved our conversation you just, you just learned something from it you know you get um and that's i i really like that about our you know we can go on for another half hour if you want just going back and forth with the confidence <laughs> i love it uh, but you know i learned and i always do whenever i do one of these episodes i learned so much just from the guest and that's why you know we went back and forth for a while if you remember trying to figure out the right topic to do and mm-hmm. i think we nailed it i think we got the right one so i do too i do too and because we love sports, we love pop culture. And sometimes I, I you know, uh, me and Jose do sports history and that's our bread and butter, but we love pop culture and trying to find that balance. So this is great where we're looking at best sports movies. Yeah. And you did great because you gave the idea of, because I'm used to just like a top five, top 10, and they're all, all sports are just thrown in there, but we're going to go by the four major North American sports. Mm-hmm. And then a little miscellaneous, you know, sports topic. So we're going to have five topics and we're going to kind of talk about, you know, what we have and see if we're we'll closer, closer, if we're far yeah. apart. And it's also the, the power of media, right? These movies reach people no matter, you know, where they're coming from or where they are. So which sport do you want to start with first? Because I, I know that some of them seem to have a lot more well, list of movies to go with them. I, I had one question for you before we got into deciding. I wanted to hear for you, Eric, what makes a great sports movie? I think what it does is it takes the drama that already exists in sports and builds on that and, you know, kind of makes the experience of watching. So like when I was thinking about, you know, game, you know, movies that do it really well, Friday Night Light stands tends to stand out to me. And one of the reasons for that is because the way they portray each of the games, they don't stick with just one camera angle. Mm. You know, they're, they're shots from well above the field. Um, you get the sideline view. You get the traditional, like, behind the players as you're on the field kind of thing. And the one component of that that I, I really appreciated from that movie, they did it so well, is the play-by-play which you need in a movie. You need to have somebody explaining what's going on. The play-by-play was done via radio. So it sounded like a real local Texas, you know, high school broadcast. And that's what gave you the exposition Um, instead of, you know, because one of my other movies I'm going to definitely touch on tonight is um, a, a league of their own as a baseball movie. 
But to me, the biggest shortcoming of that is they have the guy in the broadcast, like he's in the booth and he's broadcasting the game over the PA. Like you can hear it echoing. And I'm like, that immediately takes away the realism. So I guess when I watch a, a sports movie, I need a good realistic portrayal of sports. I, I like being, you know, trusted enough as mm-hmm. an audience member that I'm not like having to have the guy up in the booth narrate to me and the rest of the fans in the stadium or in the arena or whatever it is. Like I want to pretend that it's like an enhanced version of what I'd be watching on TV, you know, of a actual game being broadcast live. No, absolutely. And I, and I agree with that. I need the two big things for me are I, I was glad you said it because I was going to ask. I need the sport to feel realistic. Yeah, I know nothing's going to be perfect, but it has to feel like, yes, like this is how this sport is or this is what goes on in this sport to an extent. You know, I know, you know, it's Hollywood. And by the way, we're doing all we're for people listening. We're doing scripted. So no documentaries in this one. Who dreams? Who get that? Be yes. top of mind, but who dreams is out. So it's still only scripted. But for me, I, I understand. I don't mind a little. It's Hollywood, so some creative liberties. I get that and all that stuff. But it needs to still feel like the real sport, and also the sport has to be the main yes. thing in the movie. So it can't be like you know, like Father of the Bride. Uh, there's the scenes where right. they play basketball one on one. So that sport is like no, 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 no. Yeah, it's like the sport has to be the main purpose of everything. If there's a romance, like that spins off of the sport or some kind of drama, whatever, that spins off of, but the sport's the main thing. Yes, I think that's a good qualifier too because, you know, there are some good movies that have some decent sports components to it, but yeah, you can't really, you know, shuffle those into the same mix. Because I I did just a quick search earlier. Uh, just to make sure, like I said, I'd have all of my, you know, not to be used a pun, but my bases covered. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I don't know if that's really a sports movie. I know there's sports in it, but is it really a sports movie? Right. So, yeah, I'm glad we got that as our, our foundation mm-hmm. here. So now you're the guest. So I want you to to pick the sport that we start with, which which sport. You know, I I'm, think maybe you know, we should, maybe we should go. go with the one that probably has the least representation in film and that would be i think ice hockey seems to be you know they get the again another pun i, I can't help it short end of the stick on this um uh, they, they, you know <laughs> hockey doesn't get as much as much i mean there's some but not as much as the other sports um and so i guess we'll start there and i'm not a i'm kind of a i don't know about you i'm, I'm kind of a mediocre hockey fan like i like any sport live i'll go to if you gave me tickets to curling i'd go you know because i like (laughs) the atmosphere of any sports uh you know being played in front of me but um you know so i love i love watching hockey live but i can't watch it on tv i'm just not a big hockey person and so to make a movie out of hockey it's 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 a little bit tougher for me to get into but i do have some at least one that that stands out yeah, no, hockey is a tough one. And it, what stinks is there's great hockey docs. So we're doing like documentaries. Hockey's has some great documentaries over these, especially recent years that have come out that are phenomenal. So it's like 
hockey documentaries are good, but for scripted movies, hockey, yeah, that's that was the easiest because there's not that many for me. And I'm with you. I'm a mediocre hockey fan a little bit more because, you know, bringing the past to the present, that's right. the show. With hockey history, I know a little bit more because I do like the history part of it. Um, well, the four major North American sports, hockey is fourth. Jose, you know, is not on with us tonight, but he's a bigger hockey fan than I am. So he he is a, so between the two of us, he knows hockey more. But um, the list should be easy for me. But I want to hear okay. yours first. So I'll, I'll give you three because I'm not like I said, not the list doesn't go on and on for me. Um, I think Miracle has to be in there. Uh, you know, Miracle on Ice mm. story, and you know, it's so it's borderline documentary because it's based on the 1980 Olympic team. Um, on you know, as far as the you know, and as a history person, yeah, actually, I was just thinking about it the other day, my very first rock concert, the very first time I saw any band live was Blues Traveler in oh. the Lake Placid um, sports arena in the, the hockey rink, the same rink that that, that game right. took place in, um, because I lived at the time fairly close to there. So, um, you know, just kind of... <laughs> I always like to think about that because we would go to Lake Placid, you know, pretty frequently to to look around, and you know, it's a nice little town and everything like that. Hosted two Olympics, and so of course there they have plenty of stuff about that game and those Olympics in 1980 and what a big deal it was. Um, so I think that movie needs to be on there just because, you know, when it and so just to dabble a little bit what I do for the podcast that came out not long after, you know, it was like Bush, you know, but. W. Bush administration that that movie came out. Right. And, you know, there was that renewal of, you know, real like, you know, like patriotism going on in the country. So it's no surprise that Disney was like, yep, there's our story. We got, you know, you know, underdog American. Like, when's the last time the America was the underdog? Well, you know, with 9-11, we kind of had that same feel to the country again of, you know, fighting for what's right and, you know, standing up to adversity and all that mm -hmm. so that movie um i think ought to be on a list about hockey uh there's a, a few others i think uh I, you know would you consider the cutting edge a hockey movie i okay. do not because it's it's figure skating. Like that, okay so that right that one's not there but how about because i do like that movie a lot too the first the first yeah. cutting edge i like a lot but I, I saw that and I was like, I think of that as, as like you said, figure skating. I know right. he played hockey at first, but you really don't even see much hockey in that it. That might bounce out the other one I had, which is Happy Gilmore. Because um, that's a golf movie, <laughs> but right. and he kind of, he uses his hockey, you know, well, what little talent he has in hockey. He brings that to the, the golf course. Um, Mystery Alaska, you know, shows up. On, on the list, mm -hmm. I guess, because uh, and it seems like there's a lot of hockey, you know, Slapshot is up there as well. Um, and that seems to have a lot of pop culture, you know, kind of presence uh, more than, you know, some of the like Mystery Alaska or something like that. Um, but I guess and I think, you know, what I'm about to say is my number one. And I don't know if it's yours or not, but the Mighty Ducks. Is that your number one or, mm. is, it, or is, it, is it something else? It's on my list, but okay. not my number one. So I'm just going to tell you why I like Mighty Ducks so much. Even though it violates that rule I said about the broadcaster 
um you know being also the pa announcer you know because you know that that's right. one of the things it's so over the top as far as the stakes on that that move i love how well i guess that's the thing i gotta ask you is it because there's three mighty ducks yeah. so which one is it are you singling out one or you're saying the series yeah, i don't know if you can really put them together into one movie because the second one like i'm out in the first five minutes of the second one is so such a reach you know it's like well, that's wow. just you know because it's and it's silly i'll watch it i love watching it because it's so ridiculous but the first one i think they they hit that really really well it was like coming off of the the home alone you know it's in that that zone of like that you know kid power kind of storyline but it's mm-hmm. also 100 bad news bears it's the same movie basically um you know the, these scrappy kids who i'm like what referee would even I guess the reason I like it so much is it brings so much attention to like, like what referee would even allow these kids to play wearing, you know, old magazines for pads and, you know, the wrong sport helmets and stuff, let alone, you know, ref the game as it goes. It's so ridiculous. And, you know, I I just love how like they make it so over the top, you know, it's kind of like what we were talking about, you know, moments ago about with, with Cobra Kai, how it's like these two guys are so into karate that it just like consumes their entire life. Meanwhile, everybody else around them is just like, you know, whatever. Um, with, with the mighty ducks, like as they're closing in on the, the last game, you see like the, the, the cover of the, the like hockey today magazines, like about this tiny little league in, in Minnesota, <laughs> you know, this like dark, mm-hmm. you know, it looks like, you know, like, like all dramatic with the, the, evil coach's eyes poking out and you know you see like bombay sitting there and it's just like wow this is just for like a bunch of 12 year olds like hockey team that's crazy and uh the the best line in that whole movie and the part that always makes me just like laugh out loud is when um you know you have the you know the hawks coach played by lane smith he's like the best part of that whole movie when he says to bombay he's like you're not even has been you're never was. And Bombay's like <laughs> looking at him and he should just be like, you know, I'm a really successful lawyer. <laughs> like I have lots of money. Like, right. Not, right. Just because I didn't like you coach some little league hockey team to, you know, championship after championship doesn't make me, uh, you know, a, a loser or something like that. So it's just, but that's the beauty of it right. though, Eric, that's the thing. He wasn't happy being a that's lawyer. True. He was a he jerk. He didn't, he wasn't fulfilled. You know, he wasn't, um, it's interesting because I've had debates because I grew up on the mighty ducks and I told people that's how, as a kid to really bring pop culture, surprisingly, I first really heard queen the group through yeah. mighty ducks and we will rock you and all like all that. We are the champions. Like, which I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Like queen's a great group, great song. And I, mighty ducks was that lead way into it. Uh, I, Everything you're saying, but the Ducks are right. I love D2 as my okay. favorite Mighty Ducks movie because of – because now that one kind of breaks what we had said earlier because it's so outlandish and, like, you, you can't do any of that stuff in hockey. And it's so, like, not really – like, it's hockey, but it's like, yeah, you can't do this kind of stuff. But, like, you know, the, the one cowboy yeah, has, yeah. like, he has the rope and he's lasso. Like, it's like, yeah, you can't – but I love that it was about USA – 
bringing people from all different parts of the country mm-hmm. together. It added different care. It had that whole ragtag bunch of misfits coming together to, you know, win the Goodwill junior Goodwill games and the beat, you know, big, bad Iceland and everything like that. Which so, I never thought Iceland would come deep, across as like that, you know, it's like, Right, 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 right. Hockey team, apparently. <laughs> exactly, exactly. A lot of people growing up, you know, were like, Iceland's not bad, but I thought they were bad because of D2. So, but I, I, I'm with you. I, I like your list for hockey. My number one, so I, I really have the same. I kind of put both D2 and the Mighty, the first two Mighty Ducks mm-hmm. on mine. Uh, I put Slapshot. I put Goon. Oh, yeah. As I like, about that one. with That's Sean William movie. Scott, yeah, yeah, I like Goon. Um, I Sean William Scott, you know, kind of, you know, Sean what life is like, like as an enforcer, yeah. you know, rinky dink, like a junior, you know, minor league hockey. Mm. Um, so I like that, but my my number one is Miracle, okay. and I say that because, uh, I feel like. Not as much. It was still is out there, but for me growing up, and I'm you know 88, 89, the Miracle on Ice was that was one thing that was talked about yeah. all the time throughout the nineties, early two thousands. There was you know ESPN Classic was looking at it, HBO, which has a great right. documentary on it. HBO had their doc. I for like you said, for not being a big hockey fan, I as a kid knew who Herb Brooks was. And living in Philly, I probably at the time I would probably butcher who the Flyers coach was in the nineties, but I could have named I knew who Herb Brooks was. Like, you know, that's how much it was out there. I could name a bunch of players from that team as a kid. And to this day I still can for that nineteen eighty US Olympic team. So that being said, when I saw that they, Disney was doing that movie and you're so dead on right, right after nine eleven and they're going into the you know, the Iraq war, you know, the, the W's first term. Um, you knew what it was, and I thought this is talked about at nauseum. You know how can they do this? I like Kurt Russell, but can he really nail it as Herb Brooks? I have to be honest; they did everything for not being a documentary. They nailed everything as far as performances. As you know, Kurt Russell was great to me as Herb Brooks, and also it did a great job of establishing what was going on in America in late seventies mm. to 1980, you know, locally or, you know, domestically, and also the cold war feel between the Soviet union. It kind of, you got the feeling if you were not a history person or you just know a little bit, you understood what the time it set it up great for why that game meant so much yeah. to so many people and they nailed yeah. that part. And that's why I that's loved a, it. That's a great way of putting it. Cause I, yeah, when you put it that way, I'm like, yeah, move over mighty ducks. Yeah. yeah miracles. And t- <laughs> yeah, that, because they, they do such a nice job too, with, with making it look like the time period as well. You know, his hair, mm-hmm. the suit and everything. Cause it's so, it's so easy. I think for Hollywood to overdo dressing up, you know, a period piece, like going over the top right. of people's fashions or, you know, and um, I, I think with like a public figure, you know, it's a little bit harder to do that, but they also have to get it just right. So as to not like put him, you know, the, the, you know, Kurt Russell into like a mask, you know, to make it look like the guy, you know, just let him be himself, right. but just you know, situate the hair and the, the tie and everything just right to make it so that that's not a distraction as you're watching it and getting the story for what it's meant for. 
um, hockey really seemed to be going through a renaissance in the nineties with like, you know, I always think of like NHL PA hockey for the Sega Genesis as being part Mm -hmm. of that. And you were mentioning D2. Um, My favorite hockey player in the nineties was Chris Chelios just because I played that game. And he, like, I always played the Blackhawks as the Blackhawks at Ronick. I had Chelios. And when they, when they meet Chris Chelios in D2, I'm like, I was like, right, right. that's him. That's, you know, finally, because I only knew him in the game, but like, do you think those mighty ducks movies contributed to that Renaissance of hockey in the nineties where, you know, some of the names, that's a good you know, question. Kinda became more household. Like, I don't know if they're responsible for it, but I, I think they may have added. No, 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 right. I think that's a great point, Eric. Honestly, that's a great – and I think it definitely had to add because I feel like, yeah, the NHL in the 90s was at a peak. And, and you, know, you know, there's people who love the game and might say this time or that time, but I just do feel like my peak fandom was not just for local, but all NHL was in the 90s. And, you know, it did fall off. You know, they had a couple of strikes in the 2000s, and it's not the same, but it was everywhere – like and ESPN had great coverage, yeah. and I feel like yeah, it had to be a part of it because I think kids did, you know, you saw like rollerblading, you know, in D two you see kids like there's not just ice hockey but there's street hockey, and I can say as a kid I did play street mm-hmm. hockey, I never learned how to like ice skate but roller yeah I would do that, and so I do feel and you see that in D two as well. So I do feel like you're right. That's a great point. It's not the reason, but I think it rolled the wave and it added toward kids playing more and getting involved in hockey as well. If you live in or near a big hockey town, you know, like Boston or, you know, I live pretty close to Montreal. So we, you know, we Mm -hmm. had a lot of hockey presence in our world. Like it was... I would go to the college hockey team, you know, game all the time. Like that was like our weekend thing when I was about that age. So um, it's, it's kind of funny that I'm not more into hockey than I am. Maybe because I had my fill at the time. I was like, yeah, I love being yeah. there. I love, yeah. you know, I can watch the thing live. You know, I remember the first time I ever went to an NHL game. I don't know if my seats were just bad or something, but I, I didn't have as much fun because, you know, when I went to like the college level or the minor leagues, um, which Goon does a nice job of showing that. Uh, it was like that much more exciting because it was like, you know, a, a little bit more amateur, a little bit more scrappier than you would ex- expect out of the, uh, you know, the big ones. But yeah, no, and I, and I think, um, and just to kind of wrap up hockey, but I like your point, like you just said earlier, Chris Chelios, and you see him in the movie, but you knew him. I feel like. I don't know what it was about like the nineties and a lot of sports, but definitely in hockey, it was like that combo of like those stars of the eighties coming over and like you had Gretzky, Messier, Lemieux, but then you had some new stars rising up in the nineties. And that star factor was there where like, I bet you like, if you put them in a movie now, like who would people like stars of the NHL now? A lot of like people yeah. wouldn't know if he did a movie like that. But like, yeah, you can name Chris Chelios. You can name this guy. I, I knew who right, Lindros was and Lemieux and Yager. Like, I know Crosby and Ovechkin, and I bet you a lot of other people don't know these other players today. And I think that was it. And I think Mighty Ducks kind of a little bit of help, but 
the name power and star power, you could name a popular hockey player in the country more than you can I know can we now. originally talked about doing uh, ESPN, just talking about ESPN. And mm-hmm. I think most of the responsibility of hockey and other, you know, lesser watch sports really could be owed to them because they covered, you know, during hockey season, which is also the same season as basketball. And it's also, you know, a good part of football season. And even the beginning of baseball season, they gave it equal coverage. I mean, they would cover the highlights right. just the same as you would get from, and it was almost like just part of that big package with the video games and, you know, cable TV and the movies just kind of like, all right, you know, because there's you always everyone knew somebody who was like super into hockey and was like they knew mm-hmm. all the Canadian teams like I didn't know Edmonton had a team like, you know, because you realize the NHL is like half and half American and half Canadian. You know, it's not it's not like yeah. the other leagues where it's like, yeah, get the two Canadian teams or something like that. It's like 100 percent or, you know, 50 50 between the two borders. Um, they always had that person that like could tell you everything about hockey, but there was more of us because of that media bombardment that we got throughout the nineties led by ESPN. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a future episode yes, for us for sure. I'd love to do that. <laughs> now I guess I'll pick the sure. next one. sport we're going to do. So I'm going to go with okay. football. I'm going to go with football and I guess I'll, I'll give my list first and then I'll, you know, we can comment, but you know, and then it, well, I'll hear sure. your list. So I'll start off with the, I have five and I'll, I, the first three is, you know, I, I'm going to give it Jerry Maguire. I'm going to give you Friday night lights and any given Sunday. Okay. And those are my first three. Uh, Jerry Maguire. I do, even though it's a lot of like, you know, he's the agent for Rod Taylor, but I did like, what it showed as a sports agent and like the business side of it, especially in the nineties. I liked what it even showed with the draft and uh, it was his name, uh, Jerry O'Donnell, his character with the whole draft and like trying to get that top draft pick. And then I do love the part Rod Tidwell getting the big touchdown mm-hmm. and on Monday night football and getting the big and people say, show me the money. But I love the scene where, you know, Tom Cruise, Jerry Maguire and Cuba Gooden Jr. You know, Rod Tidwell after, after that game, they come out, you know, Rod comes out the locker room and they had that big embrace and that big hug because they were in the trenches together and he knew he was getting that big contract. So I love Jerry Maguire. Friday Night Lights, you hit on. The show is so great that I feel like the show now over, yeah. like people forget the movie, but the movie was excellent. You know, the movie was really good. And for what you said, I think it showed the intensity of small town you know, football, high school football, where that is like the thing. And it also showed like how I love how, like you said earlier, how well those football scenes were shot. You took a lot of care with that for sure. Yeah. And, and at any given Sunday, I just kind of liked the crossroads. You saw different characters in that movie in professional football. And I think it can be a little extravagant in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> yes, for sure. But I still think it, it kind of nailed, you know, Al Pacino's scene at the at speech at the end was great. So those are the five, four, and three. It's a two-man race for me between Remember the Titans and Rudy. And my favorite movie, so I'm trying because it's best, not favorite. 
My favorite movies are Remember the Titans. That and and then Hoop Dreams are my two favorite okay, films. So just movies. But if I'm period. Okay. Yes, period. Those are my two favorites. But if I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna give my number one probably the Rudy. And I think Rudy, if I'm gonna show someone the spirit of football and the spirit of like what it can bring in the heart and the scrap, the spirit of football tradition and what it means to a lot of people and a lot of families. And I have to give it to Rudy. I thought, you know, Sean Austin was amazing playing that part. Charles S. Dutton was amazing as that, that, you know, that guy who, you know, was that janitor working at Notre Dame, but kind of like that kick in the pants to Rudy, but still motivating him. I mean, who doesn't get emotional in that scene when he says, Rudy's like, I want you to be in the tunnel when I'm for my first game, when I shoot, when I dress up. And then he's getting ready to come out at the end and he sees Charles S. Dutton there. And it's just like, it's just yeah. powerful, man. And it's the, this movie is the first time I ever saw my dad cry was we watched Rudy. And every time my dad always sheds a tear watching Rudy. And it makes me now yeah, as an adult shed a tear. Because these movies you know, have effect um, on us, be, you know, because they know exactly the the elements of the game, touch yeah, them and to you know tug at your heartstrings. So absolutely, and and just the part, just him keep trying to get into Notre Dame and not getting it. In that scene when he's on the bench and he reads the acceptance letter that he got it in the Notre Dame and he starts crying. Um, the people who helped him, I think that's also key, which people don't talk about. John Favreau's character, who helped tutor him to help him get his grades up. Charles S. Dutton's character, the, the assistant coach who believed in him to say, yeah, you can practice on the team. Just the different teammates who had his back. It shows like it's it's about an individual, but to me in its own way, it shows for whoever, no matter what level you get to, it takes a village to help that athlete get there. And so for me, that's just why Rudy's number one. So. I would say that three of those movies are definitely on my list too. Um, the uh, so I love, like you said, by Jerry Maguire. I love good. I, I call them like show business movies, like behind the scenes movies. Like I love. Yeah. I, there's a, a movie or TV show that gives you the inside scoop, you know, about that kind of stuff. And Jerry Maguire is that. I mean, it's like it is a football movie, but it's it's not about the actual i know that you know cuba gooding jr's character is you know obviously a main character in it but it's um it's more than just you know the football it's like the stuff's going on off the field as well so right. I, I do i like that a lot um i'm gonna say that my i'm gonna so three of those are the same as me um would you consider lucas a football movie with Corey Haim and uh, what's his face? Because uh, it's not the whole story. Yeah. Winona Ryder's in it. Um, Charlie Sheen. That's a tough one. But it's football that it kind of like brings it all together. Brings it together. Right. I would count that. I would count Lucas. I, yes, you know, yes. That was one that just kind of entered my brain earlier. I'm like, yeah, you know. Cause that that was a movie that I remember watching, and I it was like one of those many movies, and I think a lot of the movies on this list are kind of like this, where it's just on cable one time, and I I I, I mm-hmm. tuned in early enough that I was hooked, 
you know, and I start, I'm like, oh, okay. And I thought it was a different movie at first for like the first like few minutes of it. I'm like, all of these actors look familiar, but I'm not really sure what is this. Right. You know, it's not Beetlejuice. Um, you know, it's, you know, Winona Ryder's <laughs> in it, but it's not, you know, uh, Goonies, even though the girl from Goonies is in it, Carrie Green. Um, and then I just was like watching it and you're rooting for the kid, even though he annoys the heck out of you, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, and you're in the, everyone's like, don't do it, man. Don't, you know, don't try to prove yourself with football. And then, you know, the bullies, of course, kind of learn their lesson, uh, by putting the kid up to it. And, you know, so I, I, if it's on the list, it's definitely not in the top, like number one spot for me at anything. I just, you know, kind of throw it up there. Um, but I, I always go, I go back to remember the Titans, that one to me. And that's your yes, number one, as far as football movies go, because it, it flies under the radar for one thing, for some reason, when that movie came out, I feel like it didn't get as much recognition that it should have. And I, I don't know if people stayed away from it because hmm. it was Disney and it had like that feel of like, Oh, like, I don't know if it came off the heels of a similar film too quickly. I, I don't see. I feel a little opposite not to, not to cut you off. I feel cause that movie went, it, it came out in a weird, you know, it came out in September of 2000 hmm. Which is not like a box office block blockbuster type. It did hit number one yeah. in the box office, but I feel like it in the two thousands. It was taught. I feel like now it's totally yeah, forgotten. Yeah, maybe that's where I'm. For me, like, maybe it just wasn't like what I was seeking in movies at the time. And I know two, September of two thousand. I was a sophomore in college, so I had no money, so I wasn't going to theaters for right. anything. Um, and I, the first time I ever saw that movie was on tape or DVD or something like that. But I remember watching it and I was just like, this is awesome because, you know, it's, it has all the, the right recipe that you want in any movie, let alone a sports movie. You know, it, it, it does a good job, um, in, you know, portraying history, you know, it, it shows the sixties in Virginia, you know, with, uh, you know, the, the racial, um, you know, they show busing is, you know, the major component of it to, to start with. I actually had a fellow student in college use the, the clip of the movie when uh, the new players are starting or the new students are showing up at school in a presentation he did mm -hmm. about busing. And I'm like, that's really clever of him that he yeah, spotted yeah. that. And this was before youtube so he actually had to line up the spot in the tape perfectly but he did a nice job yep. of, of showing you know he wasn't talking about football he's like this is just you know hollywood portrayal of that whole thing and the whole training camp at gettysburg um has like dual like powerfulness or power i don't know something it does something for me because not only is it a wonderful message that he sends his players when they you know are on their early morning jog and they get to see, you know, kind of like, you know, a hundred years ago, this is what, you know, is the same argument was going on. That's what produced everything you see here, but also because Denzel Washington and his role in one of my all time favorite movies, glory, um, and how he's a civil war mm -hmm. soldier in that. And then he goes on. It's almost like it's him. Not necessarily playing the coach in that moment that's like him as Denzel yeah. Washington using that opportunity because as a person that, you know, his, his, um, 
philanthropy. I, I didn't want to say I didn't say philandering. I always mix those on. They're, they're not the same, <laughs> but his philanthropy in real life um, really shines through in Remember the Titans. Like he's he's always giving back money to uh, the Boys and Girls Club um, where he grew up. Um, my mom and he they went to the same high school actually, uh, not the not the same oh, time, wow. but she always. Uh, makes you know one of the the uh, I don't know if he actually graduated from that school, but he went he attended Mount Vernon High School in Mount Vernon, New York. So I know that that's that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why he also is on my radar as as you know celebrities I like a lot and actors I love. But in that particular moment, in Remember the Titans, I always feel like that's like not just him reading a script. You know, it's like part of almost like his career to highlight parts of yeah. American history where, you know, kind of what he stands for shines through, but no, it's, I, I was on a podcast, uh, knowledge brews Supreme. And the topic was, you know, our top five favorite Denzel Washington movies. And remember Titans was my number one. And and I said that get, like you said, that Gettysburg scene and, and it's just phenomenal. And he doesn't speak a lot in that movie. A lot of times his most powerful scenes are not like, like that Gettysburg scene is like the longest, it's not that long of a monologue if you really watch it. Like he doesn't, his powerful scenes are with face, like a look or just a gesture or just right to chewing the point, <laughs> which I love about Denzel. Yeah, pretty much chewing gum. Yeah. You know, I picked I, I picked Rudy only because, like you said, remember Titans can be even so much. It's like football is there. It's definitely a football movie but it's like a civil rights movie movie too. So the only reason why, because I, everything you're, there's no wrong answer of course. And your answer is perfect. The only reason why I went like try to be non-biased and cause and pick Rudy is because I'm like, Rudy football's always mm-hmm. there. And like, you know, Rudy's a football movie. Remember the Titans at time, like you said, you can use it for civil rights for every, it's just such a powerful, you know, just film and it's, it's my favorite movie so like i that's yeah, a great answer i, I think we'll, we'll settle yeah. on that being the the uh i almost said home run but that wouldn't make any sense but the, the number one football movie ever made yeah it's it's yeah it's so i i so now what are the so so you I gave like yeah okay so you, what are the i think any given sunday mm-hmm. does a, like you said it's way over the top with some of the presentation of the way football is i'm like i've watched a lot of football and i don't remember any of those kind of injuries taking place maybe they got to commercial you know but i think i would have heard about the eyeball (laughs) being gouged out um but they do i love al pacino's character because he's he's that kind of coach you know like every they do a good job of you know kind of inserting that you know he obviously was not much of a he's not like a former player kind of coach. He's like, uh, you know, he's, I don't know exactly who, you know, who to label him as in real life, but we've seen coaches like that on the sideline. We, we see guys like that and he does a good job of, of, and the way the off field stuff impacts the on field, you know, they do a nice job in that movie. And, um, I, I turn to my dad a lot for movie credibility. Like if he likes a movie, because all throughout my growing up, it will happen time and again. He would either come home from the video store with some movie that I never heard of. I'm like, that's going to be stupid. 
and he'd put it on and I'd be like, this is fantastic. Or something would show up on TV and he'd be like, we're watching this. I'm like, uh, I don't know if I want to watch that. And he's like, it's good. It's good. And next thing I know, I'm like hooked, you know? So when that movie came out, obviously we watched it, you know, in real time, it wasn't like he had known about it for a long time. And I remember I wasn't like, eh, I was kind of like, yeah, it was pretty good. I like, but then he came back and he's like, Oh, that movie was great. He's like, I thought any given Sunday was fantastic. I'm like, well, if my dad likes it, he knows what he's talking about. So that's, that's up there, you know? Right. Right. And like I said before, Friday night lights for those reasons that I, I gave it. And, um, you know, I, the, the character's name escapes me right now, but when the wide receiver gets hurt, you know, and he's just crushed, you know, that is like, you can see his entire life ahead of him. Oh, yeah, Booby Miles. He just realizes like, oh my God, like that, this was my ticket. And now I'm going to be working in town, you know, pumping gas or, you know, if I'm lucky. So. Yeah. And Friday Night Lights, and before we get to the next one, but it's just interesting where one, like, that's an all time sports book that Buzz Bissinger did. That's an all-time football movie that Peter Berg did. And then the TV show is, like, one of the best dramas of the 21st century. So, for, like, they really milked that yeah. franchise. Like, could, they did a good job with all of them because the book's amazing, the movie's great, and the show is awesome. So, like, I always give props, like, because you keep waiting for it to, like, drop off. Like, when they kept, like, the movie can't be as good as the book. Oh, the movie's really good. It's like, oh, the TV show, and it's like, oh, this show is great. So I always give that Friday Night Lights, like, franchise credit. Like, they don't really they, drop They didn't off, go the so. direction of Bring It On, were they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll let you pick the next uh, the next sport we're going to look at. I think we'll go basketball because basketball, mm, mm. it actually surprisingly does get a little bit um, – I guess save baseball for last because baseball, I think has the most amount of movies and that's because baseball has been popular a lot longer. You know, you kind of came up yeah. with the movie industry. So like, you know, they've, they've had them for a lot longer than some of the other ones. Um, basketball seems to NBA basketball anyway, seems to, you know, not, they, they kind of, I don't know if they had a niche fan base for a while, but you know, I would say that the, apex of nba basketball popularity was definitely 80s 90s you know like that same espn era that we were talking about before um but you know there's there's other movie there's other representations of it earlier on i think for for basketball uh i liked and probably for the same reason i liked some of those other 90s sports movies i like blue chips a lot because it was like mm. seeing alternate versions of, I mean, it was basically just like ushering one uh, upper deck card after another, you know, here's Shaquille yeah. O'Neal, here's Anthony Hardaway, here's, you know, so there's some components of, there's some cheese in there. Um, I love that, you know, Nick Nolte plays, you know, basically a, you know, Hollywood version of uh, Bobby Knight, you know, with throwing chairs yeah. around and, you know, and I, Nick Nolte is pretty convincing as a college basketball coach. I can totally see that, you know, like he's very convincing know, gravelly voice and, you know, freaking out about nothing and, and that kind of thing. Um, and so I, I like that one a lot. I think uh, it's, it's as sad as it seems space jam needs to be on there just cause it's Michael Jordan, you know, Ooh. it's, it's like, Ooh. 
I, I, I love Eric. how self-effacing that movie is at the beginning with Jordan, you know, playing baseball and, you know, everybody kind of, uh, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's like the whole, obviously the premise is so ridiculous, but, um, you know, it's, it's a fun, uh, movie, but, um, I want to put Hoosiers at the top of my list, uh, because, you know, I, I, maybe, maybe Airbud. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I put Hoosiers pretty high up there, if not number one, uh, because that came from an era where you could go in a lot of different directions with the amateur sports story. You know, you had the bad news bears direction of like, they're awful and then they get really good, you know, kind of thing. Or you have the, um, you know, the, the spoof kind of thing or, you know, whatever. I liked that Hoosiers is like just a, inspiring story you know it just has all the you, you know from the moment that you're about to watch it you know when it's the first starting up you're like yeah this is gonna be inspirational we're all gonna get something out of this one and um any movie that portrays you know basketball in an era before it became ultra popular you know late 50s 60s basketball it doesn't usually come up um that you know i think is is a solid film and it's just a good movie altogether and you know i, I love um uh gene hackman he's such a good actor i, I like his his performance in that too so um I, i'll give you those three i don't know if there's any that you would subtract from my list your reaction to space jam tells me you're you're gonna get that one out of there yeah space jam and i loved i loved it as a kid but it's not I, I mean, my favorite scenes for Space Jam are probably, I mean, honestly, the Space Jam soundtrack I love still to this day. <laughs> but I love the opening montage of like Michael Jordan highlights, of course. And then honestly, I always tell people the next scene that I still I do crack up to this day is, you know, after they win and Michael's, you know, they get to the end and Michael's coming back and Bill Murray's sitting there with Larry Bird and he's just like, just messed up. Like, Larry Bird's like, what's wrong, Bill? That should have been me, Larry. And he's like, what? I should be out there. And he's like, what? He's like, nothing, nothing. And then Bill Murray's like ready to cry and who rules? Like his voice just cracks. I love that scene to this day cracks me up. Like, so that, those two, like that scene is like one of the funniest scenes, but Space Jam doesn't make my cut. I think it's like, it was cool for that idea. It's cool for that time. It shows just how big Michael MJ had gotten, but um, I love Blue Chips. I think it's an underrated movie, honestly. Um, a lot of names in that, even like Ed O'Neill, and he was already on like Married with Children yeah. at the time. He's like that reporter. Um, Shaq, I think, does a decent job acting in the movie, you know, uh, for like his first real yeah. movie. You know, he's better in that than like Kazam and other stuff like yeah. that, you know, so Steel. You know, so I, I blue chips I think is very underrated. And you're right, it's I think that shows the Bobby Knight esque, but like of like college basketball growing, the game is getting more popularized, it's more eyes on it, ESPN and all these things, and it's becoming really, really big. It always was business, let's yeah. be real. But college sports becoming big business and kind of passing that old school coach by. 
and him kind of making a choice of what he's going to do. And we know what he does. Was at the Dick end. Vitale in that? So I, I, I feel like Dick Vitale. I feel like he's. He yeah, like, I feel like that scene, that that big game against yeah, Indiana. I got it. I think. I feel like. I remember because he was. Yeah, at, he, like, Bob Cousy's yeah, in he it. He was like. But I mean, you couldn't go two minutes during, especially in March, you know, in the '90s without hearing "Hey, baby, he's a type of dandy," you know, like Vital. Yeah, awesome, yeah, baby. Like the soundtrack. Oh, like, he was big. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm with you, Hoosiers. Uh, I feel like gets overrated, but I will say it's a good movie. It adds to that lore, which I think due to Peyton Manning has kind of, and the Colts being so good, kind of knocked it down where like Indiana was like strictly a basketball state and that lore that like, you know, just from the fifties and the players and then Bobby Knight and that movie kind of really heightens it to like, what's like the golden state for like basketball, like where it's at its purest and people name like Indiana, Kentucky, Kansas, like those states. It begs the question like, like, why, you know, like what is it about those places that made, that was right. the question. I'm like, right. so why Indiana is like, why did it catch on here more than, you know, anywhere else? It's kind yeah. of curious. But. And I think it's like, it's that anti, because we know like New York, like the Northeast cities have it too, or they did have it. So then I think it was like, it's the anti, like we're, we're not the city, yeah. quote unquote, but we have, like we love, we play it the right way kind of thing. You know, we fundamentals and not the flash but gene hackman that movie kind of added to that lore and gene hackman i think is the maybe the most underrated actor of our of like our time like he's that great so he carries it but i have he got game with you know spike lee and then you know denzel and ray allen oh yeah and i thought that was really good uh, Jesus Shuttlesworth and the players who were in that and Dick Vitale's in that one I know and um, the father son but even the story of with Denzel's character uh, talking about well Earl Monroe and you know, you know how he got the name Black Jesus you know Earl Monroe's from Philly but that's not the only reason why just like yeah like the basketball lore and even that scene at the end where Denzel and Ray are playing one on one their characters. But that was all ad libbed, and Denzel really is Denzel going up for nothing on Ray Allen, and Ray Allen saying you ain't getting no more baskets, and then he winds up winning. But it's just to me, it's a great movie. It's basketball at its core. Uh, the pressures of being a top recruit, you get to see that in the in the movie as well. I so I have he got game. I have hustle, which is a more recent. People don't think we're just totally old school. I thought Adam Sandler did phenomenal in Hustle. Um, I thought it was great about the scouting of the NBA and what the league is like. And I think it did a great job on who they brought in in the movies. Like, not like the biggest stars, but like, it also kind of showed like that competition and, and like what it's like running a franchise, what it's like scouting, and what it's like making it in the NBA. So I, I thought that was a great movie, and so I put Hustle there. But my number one, White Man oh, Can't Jump. Why am I keep forgetting these fantastic movies? I want to talk about that in just a second, but I want to just real quick go back and speak of another Adam Sandler. Would you put Uncut Gems as a basketball movie, or is it a I would. I would. I, <laughs> uh, I, I saw that. I, I think Uncut Gems can make it. 
I, I like that one. I didn't put well, it on I can on only there. watch it once because it's so loud. It's just such a loud movie. Yeah. Like, I can only take this guy for one, you know, one viewing only in my lifetime of Uncut Gems. Yeah. Just... He did very well in that, too. His, his Sandler for being a comic, his dramatic acting, always was kind of okay, but these yeah. movies, re, Uncut Gems, but I thought Hustle, I was blown away by how well I felt it was done. Um, you know, and, and I felt pretty accurate to what it's like, you know, scouting. You know, um, we even did a, a YouTube channel video, you know, Jose and I. Uh, looking, you know, breaking down the movie. I, I thought Hustle was a good one, but as okay, well. so let's talk White Man Can Jump because why did I forget that? It's such a, I guess for some reason I'm like foolishly thinking of like team sport, like teams, and that being you know because yeah. I just think of like that as being one of the key components of a of a film is having like you know the the camaraderie and the working together. But White Man Can Jump is all about basketball, so. I feel stupid for not thinking that one up. What is it about that movie that you love so much? For me, it's it's the essence of basketball for me, and I feel like that is going maybe going away. Like kids still play it, but pickup was always like like the, you know that was like where it starts and it gets bred. Now you can play on your local teams, and then you get to high school. I mean, that's great, but. A lot of my favorite times were just playing a great pickup game or playing a game of 21 or playing a game of horse or knockout. Those were just like at its purest. It's fun. And also the best was, and this movie does it, where it brings up the stereotypes that that white guy, oh, can he play? And uh uh-oh. And and to me, how many times have we seen that? Like in reality, growing up, it's like, is this white guy? Or like, hey, it goes to gender. Can this girl, can she good? And it's like, oh, she is good. Or... This guy, he looks like he's kind of slow, and then you get surprised. And those are some of my favorite moments when I, I would, you know, you're at a at a park, and you get like a random team, and you're looking at your yeah. squad, and you go, like, I don't, I, we might be getting dusted. And sometimes that happened, <laughs> but then other times, other times, like you wind up winning, like, oh, okay, well, we got a guy who can hit the three point shot. You know, we got a guy who can handle the ball. Someone, who, hey, I can d up and rebound, and we have a team where then. That other group is maybe more talented, but everyone does the same thing. Everyone needs the ball and all that stuff. So to bring it back to the movie, though, it just was a the Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson dynamic and was great in that dang thing of like, it kind of feels like the hustler in a way where it's like it's a hustle movie as yeah. well. And Woody's character goes around hustling guys and doing, he has his stick. And then Wesley's like, oh, I see green here. And then going around and and them kind of doing their thing, winning all these things two on two. And it really nailed, and Ron Shelton, you know, there's a lot of sports movies. It nailed what the trash talk was like on the playground. And you would get some people who could really give some lines and really give a back and mm-hmm. forth. And also, like, people didn't nail you if you had lame sneakers or if you had the shorts that were too high. Like, that's just how it was. And I think it got the essence of, what pickup ball is like and seeing things like Ron Shelton really wanted people who knew the game. And he really, he had played and he really wanted to capture that. And I think they did a great job in it. So I mean, I could yeah. go on and on, but no, that's it, why it that's my the number poli- one. The, the politics of the pickup game, the playground game shines through immediately in that movie. It's like the first scene you see it 
perfectly. And um, yeah, it, it is. Yeah. Why did I forget that movie? <laughs> I feel so stupid about that one because it, it is. I remember watching that and seeing it and like because it, it takes a lot of those. Um, you know, it, it puts a lot of, of preconceived notions on its head, you know, that happens all the time, you know, and, you know, it happened, you know, with even just the, the you know, off the court stuff, too, with, you know, Rosie Perez's mm-hmm. character and, you know, the relationship there. And so it's like it, it did a nice job of giving a, a real, like, ground level view of. The, that world and, and making a really good story because it couldn't just been a straight up, you know, basketball story, but it has a cool, you know, kind of edge to it too with the, you know, con man stuff and it, yeah, and you know what I think it 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 hits on, but it doesn't fully go there, but it kind of can set up a conversation about so it doesn't like it's not the purpose, but. If you to this day, but I think especially back then, and we can keep it to basketball, but I think in all sports, you know, Eric, I'm sure you've seen it where you see a guy on the pick, we'll keep it to basketball on the pickup courts, he's amazing and he's great talent. And you go, why isn't he his, you know, depending on the age, why did he, did he play D1? Or if, if he, you know, why isn't he in the NBA or why isn't he on a D1? Like, how far did he go or, why weren't they the star? And that's a lot of times what you see where you ask, you hear pro athletes to this day, they'll say, most of the time, I wasn't the best athlete, which is like crazy to hear. Like, But they're, they're like, I wasn't. It was like, I had the opportunity or I stayed straight and narrow. I stayed with it. I didn't get deterred. I had someone pushing me to keep going opportunity. And that's all the time in a lot of sports. And basketball is a great – for me, that was the first big example in my life where I would always see guys with so much talent and wonder, why didn't they get it? And then you kind of start to know them and you hear their story, and it's sad in a way because it's like they could have made it if they had someone pushing them or if they didn't get involved in the wrong group of people or they had – I've seen it where they had – they didn't like the high school coach and they said, screw this, and they didn't want to keep going. It, it shows you where, like, there's great talent on these pickup courts or on the – you'll watch on the football field or hockey or baseball, and they won't make it. And it's always kind of like, why didn't they make it? So, to me, it always leads to that as well. That is a great way to, to put things about – and I think, yeah, for every single pickup game out there, there's probably at least a handful of those kind of guys. You're like, oh, you know. And even – they don't even have to be that old either. Sometimes it's high school-age kids – you're like, why aren't you mm-hmm. playing for the, the team? And uh, you know, it's like, well, there's a wasted opportunity, but they have their own kind of like level of, of some kind of status just by playing in those games, you know, and they, they run, they run right. the court. They, they are literally holding court, you know, on those, on mm-hmm. those playgrounds. So all the time. And, and it's always the most fascinating thing where, I mean, you see it like I know we're keeping the scripted, but like if you watch Hoop Dreams, you'll yeah. see it. If you read the book, The Blind Side, not even the movie, but like the book, The Blind Side, and the stories about guys who were top recruits and they had a scholarship to Florida State or this school, and then they but they were in this neighbor, they didn't have anyone pushing them, and then it was the day to sign their letter of you know, that you know intent, and they just they never showed up. And it's like, I can't imagine, like, 
you're you're a top recruit, you have it, and they just don't show up. And it's like white man can't jump kind of gets me because you look at both of those characters, like they're characters, and it's like why are like how good they are? Why are they just doing? They're just hustling guys on the streets of L.A. for money. Why didn't they go further? And a lot of times people get in their own yeah, way. They get kind of scared and stuff. But I guess basketball of all those sports that we were just going over is the only one that can really have a story like that and a movie like that. Because in reality, it's not really as easy to do a pickup game of baseball. It, you know, you need more than a few, you know, yeah. you need like 18 people. You know, it's not like you can just have, you know, it's, it's hard to do a, you know, two on two uh baseball mm-hmm. i think we need to go there next baseball uh man there's so many aren't there uh this was the hardest one yeah, for me because one leads to the next like when i was thinking about i'm like oh i love that one but then i love that one too because there's something about the game of baseball that it is already kind of made for um a movie you know, it just has the elements that you need. You can have an ensemble cast. You know, baseball is individual, but it's also at the same time a team game. So you can do that. You know, you can just see how important one player is, but they're only as good as the team around them. There's so many, like, elements that make a good movie go into a good baseball team or, you know, a, a season for a team or whatever. So there's just so much... There. Do you want to go first in this one? Sure, sure. So I I probably could have kept going. I kind of kept it to a hard six because I'm like, there's probably, I know there's more that I could have added on to it, but I'm like, then it, we should have just done our top right. 10 baseball <laughs> films for this podcast. So I have, my sleeper is, is Hardball with Keanu Reeves. Oh. Okay, yeah. I I really liked I really liked Hardball. I know that may not, but I thought Hardball was one of the big surprising of all the movies I'm going to name here. I don't think one surprised me more than Hardball and Keanu and the, the young group of kids in Chicago and the ride it took through baseball. But it was a roller coaster. How emotional it was. So I, Hardball makes it. Uh, I, I got to put Major League on mine. A League of Their Own, like you had mentioned, is on mine as well. Um, kind of the only movie, which you, I, and I've waited because I was like, uh, cause I didn't know if I was going to go first. But when you said, because you're totally right, basketball is the one sport that you could do like pickup with. And you mentioned baseball, but there's yeah. one baseball movie that does it. Yep. And the Sandlot, and the Sand, and it's hard. It is a personal favorite. The Sandlot's my number one on my purpose. It's not the best, but I love The Sandlot. And The Sandlot to this day, which I think this year it's his 30th anniversary, oh so God. we may need to do a 30th on The Sandlot, yes. <laughs> which is aging me for sure. But um, The Sandlot is huge. But I'm, I'm going to go to my final two. For best, I have Moneyball and I have Feel the Dreams. Okay. Yep. Feel, okay. We are... I, I I wanted to put Moneyball on my list. I, I want to because it's so good. And it's another one of those, like, you know, book turns into a movie very quickly. You know, it's like, and, you know, it's it's a great behind the scenes. You know, this is what happens in the, in the you know, front office and in the back office and all the different offices. 
Um, I love Moneyball for that reason. And it's, it's not a ton of baseball in it, despite being very much a baseball movie. Um, but it's, yeah, that's such a good one. It's, it's all baseball. And then, like you said, there's not much baseball, but it's, so it's a, but that's my number two. My number one's feel the dreams though. That one is definitely on my list as well. And, um, what is it about feel the dreams that does it for you? That puts it number one. Cause Kevin Costner's in like five baseball movies. <laughs> like it's like, he's in, yeah, he's in a lot. I'd leave him off. The, yeah. Uh, the, for love of the game and, but feel the dreams. Yep. Is like his thing. Feel the dreams hits everything. It's, there is a lot of baseball in it right. playing like more than people think it gives you a great deal of the history of baseball to, I love, you know, it connects that past to the present very well. It gives you baseball and why it does well, you know, like that small town America. It does the whole father, son, which not just baseball, all sports really can connect families and, and, you know, not to make it gender, like mothers, daughters, mothers, like, you know, sports to me does do that a lot. So it has that father, son, and I, I don't want to steal credit. I, I love the movie podcast, The Rewatchables. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite episodes that they did was on Field of Dreams. And I think it was Mallory Rubin. She's a writer for The Ringer. And she said it, and she got emotional about saying it. And it almost made me get emotional think hearing her say it, which is what she loves about it is we – go through life and we all especially as we get older it's like don't dream don't dream got the daily grind of everything and a lot of times when you have these dreams people look at you and they go what or what are you talking about or that's crazy and that's what kind of can keep us going is having that faith having that dream and it doesn't matter if you believe it if you see it it doesn't matter that those people don't see it you believe it you feel it. And for it to be like he heard that voice, you know, if you build it, they will come. And he will come. And who? And he builds. And everyone in the town thinks he's crazy. What? You got a cornfield. You know, what about your, your harvest? You're building that baseball diamond. And his wife believed in him. His daughter, who was a I think like, I like that. Kids believe. Kids can dream and see it. They have, They don't have. They're not jaded by life like us, us as adults. But everyone around him, his brother-in-law's like, you got to sell the farm. You're wasting money. This is bad. But he believed. And even him going to see, you know, James Earl Jones's character, Terrence Mann, that writer who was kind of famous and an activist and then went off and, like, all that. But, like, it's about believing. And then he got James Earl Jones to believe. And he, you know, put a lot of people, a lot of stuff at rest. Those players from the, you know, the White yeah. Sox. In that scandal, they got to relive their dream. The doctor, you know, uh, Graham got to live his dream. And then he gets that scene. And that scene with him and his father, I mean, Rudy has it. But I don't know anyone who doesn't see that scene, myself included. And every time, if you don't have a tear running down your cheek, when he's like, hey, dad, and you want to have a catch, (laughs) and they're having that catch. Yeah, it, it just hits, man. And it's just like, I've met so many people who love sports and love sports movies and they knock feel the dreams. And of all the movies on this list, that's the one where I argue, I go, you're yeah. crazy. You, you don't have to love it, but to no, say it's not a good movie. I think it, you're crazy. It's 
baseball of all the sports is the one that has the most like spiritualism to it. Like there is, yes, and that, yeah. and it's the only one that you can actually make like a because it's it's a supernatural movie. I mean, the whole you know it's right that wouldn't really work for football. You know, based on what we were talking about on podcast about the Super Bowl. You know, like, it's so you know it just wouldn't work the same way. But baseball, it's believable, right? Baseball, you can you can you know that ghostly image of the field that he sees at the beginning. You're like, oh my god, like I could see that happening. You know, it's it, baseball has that about it and it's um probably just because it's so deeply ingrained in this country's history and it's you know it's very american um but yeah you're right my dad couldn't have taken me and my brother out to play catch soon enough after that movie ended and it's it's his own you know i I don't want to you know tell my father's story you know without him being here but um he had a very similar you know life and so that that particular scene just it crushes him and because it crushes him it crushes me every time i see it um because i'm mm-hmm. so appreciative that i did have a dad you know that was uh there for me to play baseball and, and play catch and stuff like that um and with my own son you know he's eight years old now and i'm like i every time i ask him to go play catch or play any kind of sport in our yard i'm like it's because of field of dreams. Like that's, you know, it tells you just how important yeah. that bond is um, that can only take place with sports, you know, and, and baseball is the one that you can actually just play catch. You don't have to, you know, it's like, you don't really play catch in basketball. It's kind of weird, but like, you know, baseball is just tossing it back and forth. You can have a heart to heart talk while you're, tr- you know, throwing the ball back and forth and, you know, play pitcher catcher. You can do all sorts of stuff with it. It's just such a great, you know, that, that movie hits it so well, and, you know, sorry for the pun, but just like, no, it's, no, it's, it's definitely it's, on my list as well because it's such yeah. a great movie. Um, but you know, and some of the other ones that you mentioned too, you know, I Sandlot, uh, I can tell you right now exactly the food I was eating when I went and saw the Sandlot <laughs> in the theater, like, cause it was, it came out right around Easter time. Um, you know, because like oh wow, like it's coming up. Baseball movies, you know, tends to they try to land yeah. in the spring when the season's about to start. And I had a bunch of leftover um, like sweet tart candies in the shape of bunnies that I got in my Easter basket. And so went to the theater. I didn't want to buy candy, so I had that with me. And so I remember watching that movie and eating sweet tarts as I'm watching it. And um, it it's very like wonder years ish. The Sandlot is, you know, it's definitely borrowing and the wonder years borrows from a Christmas story. Um, and my wife actually just reminded me the other day that, um, Peter Billingsley, who's, you know, Ralphie in the Christmas story, he's in the last episode of the wonder years. They just make him this little character because they wanted to nod and say, yes, we borrowed from, you know, that whole like narrator being reminiscent and stuff. Oh Yeah. And I feel like the uh, the Sandlot, it was one of the reasons why it worked well is, is because it was 90s kids. So we recognized it as 90s kids. They were they weren't acting like 60s kids as far as we knew, but like they were 90s kids portraying 60s kids. And my favorite part of that movie is when, you know, the scrappy Sandlot crew go over to the, you know, the rich kids park and, you know, mm-hmm. have that even before the game. When they just have the back and forth like insult trade off, 
Oh yeah, it's is, great. It's just like watching that because I was in that age group watching the movie, and I'm like, ah, like this sounds like me and my friends as we, you know, challenge you know mm-hmm. some other group of of whatever. Um, yeah. So I, I love that movie in its time, and it still holds up now. I think the only weakness of the Sandlot is that it gets because it came out in the era of the Home Alones they go through that whole sequence when they're trying to figure out how to get the ball out of the backyard. And, um, you know, James Earl Jones is in that one too. Uh, you, you know, so yeah, he is at least. Um, and that part gets a little bit long. You know, I remember even being as a kid, I'm like, all right, we, do we really need to build a contraption? And, you know, it's just like, send the kid over the wall. To, you know, we know what's going to come, you know, we, we know that, uh, that, you know, the rocket Rodriguez is going to do it at some point, you know, let's just make it happen. Um, but the San Le- yeah, that's on my list too, for sure, because um, it captures and they, they have, I think almost all these movies have some moment or another where they talk about the essence of the game, you know, why baseball is important, why it has, you know, why you should do it and what it means. I don't, I don't know if, there might be maybe in the miscellaneous. There's a movie that comes to mind. Sandlot's not my number one, but just to, because you just said so much great about it. If there's a movie that is more quotable for me and a whole generation of people than the Sandlot, where people can quote lines, and I mean, there's not just the, the famous was the deep cut lines and the deep cut scenes, and to this day, every Fourth of July, I have to hear <laughs> Ray Charles. Ray Charles. America yeah. the Beautiful, like I just have to. It just and the firework. I, that's just tradition every year since. I that was movie. so envious of those kids in that scene because you know. Oh man! I didn't live in a neighborhood exactly. You know, we didn't have block parties. We didn't have you know that kind of feel to it. I did have you know kind of a small group of friends at that age that we would go and play sports. We, we were lucky enough. We had a park behind our house, so we could go. And whatever season it was, play the sport, you know, had basketball courts, had baseball fields, had, you know, soccer. So we could do that. But it was like that scene. I was like, man, that looks awesome. Like just grabbing, you know, you see the, you know, the catcher, you know, the great Hambino grabbing his hot dogs. Wait up, guys. You know, Um, so that's that's such a good. And, you know, it's funny how we do like how much impact pop culture has on our, you you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, Fourth of July equals you know, listening to this or, you know, like in my household, we watch our movies seasonally. We watch movies over and over again, obviously. Um, and yeah, so, like all these baseball movies are like April and May, like we put them on. You know, Absolutely. Like, okay. Now it's yeah. time for like when opening day shows up, I'm like, all right, put it on. This is, you know, um, my, my outlier, the one that uh, I'm going to bring up. It's, there's probably some ones I like better, but for some reason it, uh, Brendan Fraser uh, in the Scout. Um, remember that? Oh, one? okay. It was uh, yes, and it's it's one of those like late afternoon Comedy Central uh, movies they throw on, and I'm like, it's fun though. It's just like a good, you know. He's like supposed like the best player that's ever played, you know, the game, and nobody's ever seen him play. You know, he, he gets brought up, and he he's gonna have like the ultimate perfect game. He's gonna you know, strike and, and they even have some, you know, I think Ozzy Smith is in it and some real players in there. Um, mm-hmm. I like the scout. Um, I, I was looking at this, the four of the 
six movies on my list have the it's just two words the 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 you know so i have the scout okay the sandlot um the rookie with uh I, yeah yeah dennis, dennis quaid, quaid right and it's funny because i i want that movie and remember the titans i watched so i worked for a little while at a rec center and there is a like there was a shift that I would work. There was like nobody around. So like it was like during the school day. So the kids were all still at school and like we had nobody come by. So you'd just be at the front desk and at the front desk, we had these black and white monitors for the cameras, but because nobody was around, we could use one of them to watch. It, had, it was hooked up with a VCR. So I'd put tapes in there. So the first time I saw both those movies, it was in black and white. And it was like, it's so oh, wow. like catch a lot of the stuff going on, you know, that you get with a color movie. But um, the rookie was one of them. And I like it because it's like it's two storylines in one. There's like two movies basically in the rookie. You know, it's him coaching his um, his high school baseball team, you know, as a teacher and a coach. And that has its own series of conflicts that has its own plot line. You know, they, they even have their own villain, like the, the batter on the other team that, you know, is taunting their, their, yeah. you know, and they, it's only, they even look like the bad news bears. They have the same kind of uniforms. So it's like, you know, they have that. And then I love the way he just gets propelled into minor leagues and you get to get that in you know, like the, when he, and you know, the, the guy he reluctantly becomes friends with, um, get the call up to the Rangers Rangers. No, the, the, um, the Rays, uh, to, to play in the, mm-hmm. And at Texas Stadium, though, it, it, for, you know, they're going to play the Rangers and the look on their face. And when he calls his wife, I'm like, that is like the ultimate. Like every guy's dream, something like that happening to them. Like I remember, be- I, I remember cool. being at a minor league game one time in uh, Syracuse, New York. And I was there. My buddy, actually, his brother was a pitcher in the minor leagues. And so we had you know, they don't really even care where you sit in a minor league game. So it was, it was AAA though. So it was pretty good talent. And we sat like right behind the visiting dugout and my friend, because his brother knew, you know, a bunch of the other guys in the league, they disappeared in second inning. And so I'm just sitting there by myself. He was going <laughs> to go talk to them about something. And, you know, I was sitting there by myself and this foul ball, you know, in a minor league game, there's, there's scouts everywhere, you know, or at least a few in the state. Oh, yeah. They're all, you know, seeing who they can call up and stuff and this like it was a right-handed batter and he did one of the, you know the foul balls that you know chipped towards the the dugout and it kicked up against the rolled up um tarp and right at me and i just like kind of reached up and grabbed it like this is the most natural thing in the world and i'm like oh wow myself i'm like i hope some scouts just saw that and like i was hoping by like the, middle <laughs> of the next thing they hey, you know comes over to me like Hey, I saw you catch that that foul ball. How would you like to try out? <laughs> and, and so the rookie is like that story. You know, it's like the most unlikely. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. Scenario where he well, gets challenged. I'm with you. I'm with you on that because I I and that didn't make my list because there's so many. But I like that's a really good movie, and I remember seeing that. But I didn't know that it was a true story until yeah. later. You know, what I mean, I didn't go into it knowing it's it not was quite a as, real. And like a lot of those true stories, not as dramatic as the movie. You know, yeah, it's, it's like, exaggerated. Yeah, it's he exaggerated. Had been drafted originally, and then he didn't play, and then he went back. So it wasn't. If they told the real story, you know, it wouldn't have been as good of a story. But 
you know, the way right, that right. seem like he, you know, has this lifelong love of baseball. He's actually really good. And then he gets, finally gets discovered when he's over the hill. You know, it's a cool movie and it's just a fun movie, and especially when you see it in color for the first time. I was like, it's like, wow, <laughs> plus. Um, I have uh, the babe is on there. And although oh, it okay. is, I mean, first of all, Babe Ruth was ever never actually that fat. <laughs> like they make him, you know, in that movie, like he was overweight. He was a big guy. Like he was just a big man. And they totally get it wrong. Like his his childhood, they portrayed in that. Like he did go to the St. Mary's Industrial School for Boys uh, or whatever St. was in Baltimore. But occasionally, like he would he would live with his grandparents. Sometimes he would live with his parents, you know, and then every now and then they would stick him in there and, you know, whatever. So it wasn't quite as dramatic as like his dad leaving him off when he's eight years old and then never sees him again kind of thing. Like he, he was, you know, they take a lot of liberties the parts that make that movie to me so wonderful. And again, this is one of the ones that's probably just because I saw in the theater. I remember being there, you know, at the same theater. I later on saw the Sandlot and I saw, you know, some of these other movies. Um, it was like the, the part where he first meets the little boy, the dad comes to him. He says, my kid, he loves you. You know, and, and Babe Ruth did have that connection with kids. Like he was absolutely. You know, and like, Shaquille O'Neal always reminds me of, of Babe Ruth, you know, like very large in life personalities, love kids, you know, put everything forward for the young fans. Um, and actually, when Shaq was playing for the Celtics, he lived in the same town. He lived in Sudbury, uh, Massachusetts, which was the same town that um, Babe Ruth lived in when he li- played for the Red Sox. And oh, OK. So when I read that, I don't know if Shaq re- recognized it. I was reading Shaq's biography a couple years ago. And I'm like, huh. Like I always saw them as very similar type figures, and then turns out they lived in the same town, you know, at some at different points in time. But uh, so when he meets that kid, and you know, little Johnny, whatever, um, who asks him to hit the two home runs, and he does it, and he runs over to the microphone, at the you know, he's like, "Oh, it was for you." That gets me going. And then at the end of the movie, oh man, I'm like choking up thinking about it right now. Just the, I mean, because the rest of the movie is, eh, it's mediocre. It's not great. But the end of the movie, when he's in the tunnel and the guy drops out of the, the stands, he's like, babe, babe, you know, he chased him down. He's like, and he's like, I'm that kid. I'm Johnny. You know, you gave me that. You hit two home runs for me. Yeah. He's yeah. Like, You're the greatest. You're the best that ever was. And you see his silhouette walking down the and it's like that still makes me emotional. And that's something only baseball can do. You know, it has like that. They put these like titans of the game up there. And it's like. Uh, oh man, now I'm thinking of another one that I didn't put on my list. So I'll just throw it out there. 61, another great baseball movie. Uh, Mickey Mantle, yeah. Roger Maris, you know, and a lot of care was put. Billy yeah, Crystal he did, did that. that. He cares yeah. so much. And that, that's where it comes. I think the directors of a lot of these movies and the stars, you know, Kevin Costner, obviously a big baseball guy. You know, that's why he does so many baseball movies. Um, and, you know, Billy Crystal's another one. And he, I did, I think he did such a good job with that movie. Um, I didn't know that Billy Crystal was actually lifelong friends with Muhammad Ali. They were like really close mm-hmm. with each other. I didn't, I, it wasn't until I, I think I, yeah, if I listen to a, a book, I think that's the same as reading it. I listened to Billy Crystal's autobiography and I, I didn't know uh, how far they went back. With I, I, I knew it because I loved the late, great Dick Shap. 
And Dick Shep has a he had a book before he died in 01, but a book came out a couple years before and a, a documentary. And you can find it on yes on YouTube because the documentary Dick Shep flashing before my eyes. And Dick Shep, legendary writer, he was on TV too, 2020, but sports writer. And the part of the documentary is he talks about it's 1974, Ali beats Foreman. So like Sport Magazine, which is kind of like Sports Illustrated, they named Ali Sportsman of the Year. And Dick Shep had, he was working at Sport Magazine. He had to like get the entertainment for that event. So he called this talent agency and I think he's looking for someone else. And they're like, well, that person's booked. But the person's like, you should take Billy. You'll love Billy. And he goes, Billy who? He's like, you'll love Billy. And like, Billy who? Billy Crystal. And Billy Crystal was an unknown. Yeah. So he was like, okay. And he didn't know what he was getting. So they show the clip, actually. Like, there's camera footage of Billy Crystal coming up, like, being introduced by Dick Shap. He has this, like, big, like, you know, 70s bow tie. And he goes up to the mic and starts doing, like, this dead-on Howard mm-hmm. Cosell impression. And then he goes into his Ali impression. And Ali starts cracking. And they show, like, Ali embracing him and everything, which really, like, started that friendship. So long story. That I always think about that because it's the coolest story. And it's cool that that lasted for so long. And then Billy even gave a eulogy at That's Muhammad's yeah. funeral. So it, it's, it's, uh, it's always touching. And, and, and Billy but. is a big sports guy. He's, you know. Huge. And he played for the Yankees for one at-bat. You know, I've seen that yep. clip before. So he's, he's legit. He's. He knows how to tell a story around baseball. Um, my and, and and I'll just say you're you're right about sixty one. I forget about it. It is the real link about we Mickey Mantle has the lore, but about understanding Roger Maris yeah. and what he went through. It's really important. And, so just to say it, that, and I, to cut and you I link off, it to the Babe as well because they, you know, they they have Babe's widow you know, meets with the, the two players, you know, early in the season. And, you know, I love when I, I won't swear, but Mickey Mantle, you know, the you okay, can curse if you want, he's like, the babes here, the babes, that fat fuck is everywhere. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, you know, based on the other movie, they put Babe Ruth on this huge pedestal, but then that one, they'd take mm-hmm. him down. Cause he's just the ghost of Babe Ruth now. And these guys are their own era. Um, but speaking of their own, that is my number one favorite baseball movie is A League of Their Own. Um, another mm. movie I saw in the theater that I think does tend to have some, you know, I, I didn't watch that one on a tiny monitor in a rec center, but um, it, we watch it every year. Uh, it's a great World War II movie without showing a single moment of World War II, you know, in it. Absolutely. But it's very much, they contextualize it so well. Uh, I love the way that they use... Uh, the the newsreels throughout the whole movie um, to you know kind of lead you along what's going on. So just a well made movie, and Penny Marshall made sure that she got players that actually knew how to play. There were a lot of um, female actresses that uh, tried out the audition for the role, and they probably would have been fine for the acting parts, but they would not be convincing as ball players. Like Julia Roberts tried mm-hmm. out for that, and she just didn't know what she was doing. She was holding the bat wrong, I think. Um, like too much face, like she's yeah. doing it like that. Um, whereas like Madonna knew how to play ball. You know, obviously, um, you know the stars of the of the movie. Um, yeah, Rosie. Rosie knew how to play. Uh, you know, the one who played Kit, 
whose name is escaping right now, Lori Petty um, and Gina Davis were all actual legit ball players. They knew how to do it. So it was convincing. Um, I think, I mean, John Lovitz, he makes the movie, everything he's in, mm-hmm. he makes better just by being there. And he's the best part of a league of their own. Not to mention, of course, Tom Hanks in that, you know, he gives one of those. I was going to say over yeah, Tom I, I, Hanks. You know, I love love it so much. And the two of them together, when they ever Tom Hanks was on SNL in that era, was always great. Yes. Um, but Tom Hanks and his speech to her about, you know, the love of the game and why you play it. Um, I'm glad that they got rid of. Cause if you, have you ever watched the, the, the extended cut of a league of their own? Cause there's a, I have yeah, years a ago. Yeah. That yeah. Blooms between him and Dottie Hinson, you know, the, and it doesn't work. Um, it's just like, eh, it's too much. Let's keep it just, you know, he admires her yeah. prowess on the field kind of thing. Um, we went, I remember my family went to Cooperstown right after that movie had come out and you know, not because of the movie necessarily. We just happened to go to, and we were touring around and, uh, they had this whole room that we, I think we read the sign too quickly because we thought it was just, um, photographs and memorabilia from the women's baseball league, the all American girl baseball league. And we're looking at like that, man, that cover of life magazine, man, they did such a good job casting that movie. That looks just like Gina Davis. And over here, that looks just like (laughs) Madonna. Oh my goodness. And then we realized there's a sign that said, these are props from the movie league of their own. You know, (laughs) that's why it looks so much like them. Um, but it just tells such a great story. You know, it has such a great, um, you know, it, it talks a lot about, you know, baseball being, uh, you know, such a uniting force, especially in that time period. But, um, you know, it, I, I, th- I think that, you know, women's sports are a very important, uh, thing to, to have awareness about that people should be aware of, um, mm-hmm. And I think we're about a month out from women's sports, women in sports day, I think it's February 3rd or something like that. Um, but you know, I love that there's a monologue in it by Rosie O'Donnell where she's like, I was always treated like I was wrong. Like there was something wrong with me because I could play. And she's like, but I love it here because nobody treats me like I'm wrong. You know, she's like, it feels right. Right, like, right. This is right. And you know, for a lot of people, whether they be man, woman, um, young, old, you know, black, white, whatever. It's like sports gives you that camaraderie. It gives you that chance to be part of something that you wouldn't otherwise necessarily have the chance to be. So I, I, I just love that movie um, in a lot of different ways. And I, that's, that's my number one baseball movie. It's hard. You, you nailed it. It's hard to, to, to even, it's a great film. It, it's on my list. Um, I say, just, I look at it with that and say, Tom Hanks for as iconic as he is and the leading roles he's done. I think one of the more iconic roles of his is playing the manager in a league of their own and how many times people quote, there's no crying in bay. Like, I think that's maybe outside of life's like a box of chocolates like that, like, Though crying in baseball might be like the number two quote right. for Tom Hanks. Like people always say that. Um, and surprisingly, 
people forget how good of an actress Madonna yeah. is. Madonna's very good in that movie too. So I was uh, just in an office the other the day. Of their own had a great. frame picture of Tom Hanks from that scene, and they wrote next to it, "There's no crying." Yeah, I'm like wow, that's a pretty enduring moment, you know. <laughs> and for thirty years, yeah. people still say oh. that. Like I, I think. Forrest Gump will be like his number one, like yeah. that Which, quote, like quote. Yeah. That's my that's my. But after that, uh, yeah. Oh, really? The one that I, I, th- I think I told you about this. You know, I found this. In, you did write um, me, yeah, yeah. At a good at a Salvation Army for fifty cents, and that night we watched Forrest Gump because I'm like, this looks like something Forrest Gump would wear. It's from his era, uh, with mm-hmm. the like sleeves and everything like that, and yeah, so. Um, between Forrest Gump, A League of Their Own, and I'd even put Apollo 13 in that era, you know, of like Tom Hanks quotables and, you know, his era of, you know, yeah, he, yeah. He really emerged as like a quality actor. It, it, that's one of the movies that, that does it. I only have a few minutes left, but um, you want to throw together some mis- miscellaneous. I have yes, the mis- So my miscellaneous is really easy for me. So I, I, do you want to go first? I'll let you well, go first. Well, I feel bad calling it miscellaneous because it's like the most popular sport in the world. But um, Bend It Like Beckham, uh, the soccer movie, um, is I like that one a lot. And for similar reasons that I like A League of Their Own. Um, but I, I it's, it's, it's a fun story, great soundtrack. Uh, you know, the culture clash thing going on is, is a lot of fun in Bend It Like Beckham. And so that's... I'll, I'll put that out there as a miscellaneous uh, option. Uh, for me, number, I mean, Cool Runnings, oh, I like. Yeah. Like, that was fun to think about. Um, I know we had mentioned Karate Kid. I like that one. But uh, it's easy. It, it's one. And that's the original Rocky, 1976 Best Picture. That's... Um, I don't know. I think that in a way could maybe a lot of times be the ultimate yeah. sports movie is is Rocky and just the lines from that. And, and I say make sure I love talking about the franchise, but number one is it because the way that shot that shot like an independent film, mm-hmm. it the way it shot, it shot like a underdog story like, you know, and then. You know, knowing the real backstory, but Sly Stallone had to do to get it made. They didn't want to use him, but just how it's shot and just how inspirational it is. And people still quote lines from that movie and the theme, the music. Yeah. You know, going to fly now and go in the distance. You know, some of those iconic music and scores in film out there. So there's that movie. Rock is number one for me. I think we have to give it number one because. And again, boxing being considered miscellaneous because I mean boxing's older than anything else. Just you know, two guys fighting. Yeah. But um, the part I remember, like watching Rocky. You know, I, I watched it a bunch when I was a kid, but I remember watching it when I was older, for the first time in a long time. And when he's out for his jog, the first time I'm like, "Oh, this is the part." And then I'm like, "No, it's not the part," because that's it's what right, makes right. when the part comes is one of the great moments in movie history you know when he gets it you know, when mm-hmm. he's getting into the and then he runs up you know leaps up the steps of the uh art gallery you know, art museum it's just like yeah that's that's movies like that's movie magic that's like that's what you go see the movies for is, is stuff like that so 
Yeah, that that makes uh, like Beckham look a garbage. But uh. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 just so much you can say about it. But it's just that scene, and and the characters are so iconic. Besides Rocky, but Mickey, Apollo Creed. So Rocky one is 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 I think we agree number one for that miscellaneous. I, I want to just throw an honorable but, mention though to a similar Rocky type movie. Is uh, more recent though is The Wrestler. Um, okay, and, and I, I like it's that not one. Really sports, but I guess we consider pro wrestling as miscellaneous in its own right. You know, as a, it's not. Yeah, really, you know, I mean, they used to report wrestling pro wrestling in the sports papers like in the thirties. Like they put it on the same level even though it was all fixed and stuff then, but the, the way that his character, uh, Mickey Rourke does that, that role, he looks like a real wrestler, you know, and showing just how mighty fall and just, you know, very, uh, that, that realism that I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast about being important to me when it comes to a sports movie, you know, that rawness, that grittiness and like that one, did it for me i was like that is so, it looks like a real person that you would pat you'd see in your day-to-day life like oh man i like it looks like he's had some better days you know um but yeah i, I put the rest of there but rocky i think that one takes it that one is definitely uh of the non four north american sports that one can't be beat that is the champ absolutely so Eric, I appreciate you coming on, man. This is awesome. And I think, honestly, from this episode, we have a few yes. more future episode ideas just, just coming just up naturally. into like 10 more things that we could easily do. Yeah, yeah, which is why I love doing this. It's such great conversations. But um, I guess real quick before you go, is there anything? Where can people find your sure. podcast? Or do you know what your upcoming episodes are going to so be? Just so people can hear. Keep your eyes out for when, you, when you're looking it up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast, everything is a primary source. It used to just be called EPS Podcast, but that doesn't tell you anything. So I, I changed it to the full length. Everything is a primary source. That's where you find me. I'm on Instagram a lot. That's uh, at the underscore EPS underscore podcast, um, as well as YouTube. You can find some stuff there. And uh, Patreon, I always like to plug Patreon. I don't have any patrons yet, but that could be changing soon, hopefully. Um, coming up this week, I have where I interviewed a gentleman uh, about diners. We're doing diners as primary sources. Um, okay. And then next week is Amazon, the company. Uh, Amazon is a primary source of the late 90s and early 2000s. And um, I shortly after that is going to be Buddy Holly. So I really do cover a wide range of different topics. And so, yeah, no, uh, it's, it's fascinating. I also do a, a live podcast karaoke, I call it, where I bring my stuff with me and I let people choose something from my table. And I have short episodes that come out as a product of those live episodes. So I got um, one coming up about Pizza Hut from the 80s and 90s and uh, okay. the Terminator 2 arcade game. Uh, I talked to somebody about and a few other oh, cool topics. So, if follow me on Instagram and and, um, and and you'll definitely be on board with what's going on. Absolutely, and we'll keep plugging away for your episodes as well. So, Eric, it's been so much thank fun. You thank you for uh, for joining me, man. And everyone, thank you guys for listening to Bigger Than the Game with Dermy and Jose. Take Kevin. care.